Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. In these uncertain economic times, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you own a vehicle with less than 130,000 miles, is less than 12 years old, has a warranty about to expire, or even no warranty at all, you could stop paying for car repairs. Roadside assistance, towing, and rental coverage are all included. Don't wait for the next repair. Make one free call right now to see if you qualify. If your vehicle vehicle is less than 12 years old, has less than 130,000 miles, even if it's out of warranty, paying for car repairs can become a thing of the past. Call us right now and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. Get protection and no more repair bills. Call 800-696-1030. Again, 800-696-1030. That's 800-696-1030. 800-696-1030. Is debt beating you down? You need discipline. You need the Debt Ninja. If you've been caught in a financial trap and need to be set free, then you need the Debt Ninja. Want to stop those harassing collection calls? Start saving thousands in interest and fees and get out of debt fast? Then you need to call the Debt Ninja. The Debt Ninja will find the best companies across the country that will help you consolidate all your bills into one easy payment, reduce your payments by 30 to 50%, and get you out of debt fast. If you have unsecured debt of $10,000 or more, such as credit cards, loans, or medical bills, call the Debt Ninja for a free 15-minute consultation. Call 800-826-1246. 800-826-1246. That's 800-826-1246. Call today. The Debt Ninja. This is Slickery Trigger for Rebel Road Tactical. With proper care and feeding, your pistol will be ready when you need it. There to save your life. Shouldn't your gear be that good? Whether you need a holster for comfortable, everyday carry, or a tough-as-nails holster for your next training course, Rebel Road Tactical has what you need. Check us out on the web at rebelroadtactical.com. stories that we struggle to see why a passage may not be working. It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing to full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable writers to develop and grow, shaping stories into masterpieces that can stand the test of time. Editing services are provided for all genres and all age categories. 
Services range from critiques of the short story through to the line edits of the full-length novel and copy editing for those preparing for publication. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's file for your website, as well as help with those book blurbs and promotional material. We won't abandon you to the masses. We want to celebrate with you and your successes. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services and prices, visit us at blackwolfeditorial.com. The world around us is an amazing place filled with beauty and with science. But let's face it, sometimes science can be so confusing that it takes a PhD to understand it. Well, you're in luck. I just happen to have a PhD. Come and take a seat. Perhaps I can explain the world around us in a way we all can understand. Welcome to Conversations in Science. I'm Dr. Judy L. Moore. Call me Doc. Well, welcome to another Conversations in Science. I am Judy Elmore, and like I said, you can call me Doc. I do have a PhD, which brings me to today's topic. But before we do, for those of you who are new to the show, the way this works is I can sometimes get a little bit too much into the technobabble, so I happen to have my producer, Jesse Sanders, on the other end of the line to make sure that I don't get too technical. What's up, Doc? Right, so today I thought we'd go into a little bit about what my PhD actually was in. So, for those of you who had actually heard before, my PhD is in astronomy. But I wasn't just looking at things like what is in a star and and all those sorts of things. I was actually doing instrument design. It was a bit of a joke that my supervisors and I would have. Whenever someone would ask us what we did for a living... We would say we removed the twinkle from the stars. The reactions were hilarious. Okay, I'm guessing doc, Jesse's doc, doc. Hey, <laughs> Why would we want to remove the, the twinkle from the stars? A, it's part of what makes them beautiful. How could we have such things as twinkle, twinkle, little star? And how could people compare, tell people how much they love them, or say that their eyes twinkle like stars if we didn't have the twinkle in the star? Imagine that you were taking a picture of something that was constantly moving. If you were to take a long exposure image, you would get just a blurry mess. Yeah, it might look quite artistic, but it would still be quite blurry, and you wouldn't see what it actually was in there. You wouldn't get all the detail that you need. What's going to make it all blurry, Doc? Well, what's making it blurry, believe it or not, is the twinkle. The atmosphere can be thought of like glass. You know that glass that they use in bathrooms and toilets, how it's got the rippled surface on the inside of the glass? Yeah, and sometimes it's even got white haze over it. Mm-hmm, exactly. So what can happen is the white haze can be thought of like cloud. So hmm, we don't want that anyway, so that's cool. But the bubble rippled effect and ripple pattern is what we're actually looking at through the atmosphere. And if you shine a torch through that glass, what can happen is on the other side, you get this rippled pattern where parts of it are bright and parts of it are dark. And, well, it's quite a pretty pattern, really. 
By torch, but, you mean a flashlight for those of us in the U.S., right? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just checking, Doc, making sure you weren't wanting me to go light a tiki torch and hold it up to my bathroom window. Well, you could do that, too, and you would still get that funky rippled pattern. True, true, true. <laughs> All right. Back to what you were do- saying here, Doc. Okay. Well, imagine that the ripple pattern inside that piece of glass that you're shining your flashlight or torch or whatever you want to call it, you're shining it through, imagine it was constantly moving and that the ripple pattern itself was constantly changing. That's what the atmosphere is doing. In reality, the atmosphere can be thought of as multiple layers of glass, not just one. So you have, say, in the order of about six different layers of glass. And each layer has got a different ripple pattern, and it changes with a different rate. And in some cases, that thickness of glass is incredibly thick, especially when you're talking about the stuff that's near ground. It's very, very thick glass. All of this is going to affect what we see from the stars. And from an astronomer's point of view, it's not good. Because all it's doing is blurring the stars for our instruments. It's making it really difficult. So there's only really two solutions that we can do. Well, actually, there's three. The third one, which is not ideal, is you take the images and you post-process them. You do as much as you can. But anyone who's ever done any Photoshop will know that post-processing on photos Yeah, it's okay, but it could be better if you actually have nice, clean images to start with. So our other option is to use a space telescope where we don't have the atmosphere, but that's going to have a problem of its own because let's think about Hubble. The Hubble telescope is 2.4 meters in diameter. Now, if I do a quick conversion on that one, if I can remind myself exactly where it is, that's 94.5 inches. So that's, that's not the very big, is it, Doc? That's not what very, was that? That's not very big for a telescope, is it, Doc? No, it's not. 2.4 meters or the 94.5 inches is actually quite small, especially when you consider that the largest telescope in the world is 11 meters in diameter. 11 meters? Whoa! 11 meters. It's a big telescope. Now, the issue is with the Hubble telescope and any other space telescope that we might put up there one day is we are limited by the payload that you can actually deliver into space. They have to take it up there somehow. I can they can't see that, just, Doc. Yeah. So we don't have it is transporters yet. by that respect. We don't have transporters yet. We just can't beam it into space. <laughs> no, we can't. So... The thing is, is a 2.4 meter telescope is only ever going to collect 2.4 meters worth of light. It's never going to collect that much more. Now, the reason why that's an issue is because the larger the telescope, the more light you can collect, and hence the fainter the star you can see. And the fainter the star, the more further away that star can possibly be. So let me see if I got this right, Doc. To see really far away stars, you need a really, really big telescope. Now, Hubble's big, but it's not that big. So, to see the really far away stuff, we have to use a telescope here on Earth. 
And so you need to filter out all the stuff in the atmosphere so you can really see what's going on. Exactly. Okay. So the, so the rest uh, of us here on Earth can still see the tw- enjoy the twinkle in the stars. Yes. <laughs> so what we do is the preferred option is to use what we call an adaptive optics system. So that is where your optics change in real time. They deform. So you don't have just a solid piece of mirror. They actually physically move. Now, this is not your primary mirror that we're talking about. This is stuff that's in behind the main mirror of the telescope. This is part of your instrument that you're looking at. The idea is that you're going to use this to stabilize the light, to remove the twinkle from the stars. So we only do it at the telescope. We're not removing the twinkle from the stars from the atmosphere. No, we can still get to enjoy that. So we can still stare and look at that twinkling light. But it's not good for an astronomer instrument to have that twinkling. So what I spent roughly eight years of my life doing is I was down at Mount John University Observatory at Tekapo, New Zealand, and I was measuring how the atmosphere changes the light above the one-meter McLennan telescope. The one-meter McLennan is the second largest telescope in New Zealand. The largest one is the 1.8 Moatel, which is on the same site, but it's on the other side of the mountain. So it has slightly different atmospheric properties, but pretty much the same. The thing that's a bit scary about it is because of the way the weather works at Tekapo and because of the way the atmosphere goes over the mountain, especially near ground, the one-meter telescope had the effective resolution of a five-centimeter telescope. Whoa, 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 So So a one-meter telescope effectively became a five-centimeter telescope? telescope is what you're telling me exactly it still had the light collecting ability of a one meter so it could still see quite far out there especially when you compare it to the light amount that would collect on five centimeter but if you were to look at the exact same object and say you could get the same amount of light coming from a five centimeter telescope as you could the one meter then you would get exactly the same quality of science coming out of it that's quite sad when you think about it. That is kind of sad. It really kind of is. Yeah. Let me put this in perspective. Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea Observatories. So this is in Hawaii, one of the most well-known observatories from around the world. If they didn't correct for atmospheric effects, their telescopes would have approximately the same resolution as a 10-centimeter telescope. Whoa, that's not much better than five. No, it's not. And by the, the way, reason Doc, why is because of the atmosphere. By the way, Doc, you answered the question about where Mauna Kea was before I even got there. Good job. You're staying <laughs> ahead of me today. You're keeping me on my toes or on my stars. I haven't figured out which yet. Oh, I'm doing all well today. That's good. Okay. So, what we do for, or at least what they do at Mauna Kea, is they actually employ adaptive optic systems. Adaptive optic systems, here's the thing. They tend to cost more than the telescope. And the reason why they cost more is because all the motors to drive the deforming optics, and they tend to employ lasers. 
to actually give us an indication of what is happening in the atmosphere as well. For anyone who's ever worked with lasers, those are expensive systems. They are not cheap to run. To be able to get the light that bright shooting up in a beam that far into the atmosphere so you can measure what the atmosphere is doing to the light, yeah, it's not fun. No, I don't think it would be, Doc. I don't think that sounds like a lot of fun. And it does sound kind of pricey. And I don't think too many people are going to want to spend that much money on what's essentially a a glorified mirrored piece of glass. (laughs) No, it's not. But of course... The reason why we do this is because we want to find out more about space and more about what's going on. And if we can have that information, we can find out more about our own origins and what's happening to Earth and where we're going to go and all these other bits and pieces. So it is an important field of science. Now, let me just put this on a different path. Think about taking a picture yourself along the horizontal. So you've got a friend who is sitting on the other side of a ravine, and you are going to take a picture of them. Unless you've got a really, really good camera with a really, really short exposure time, they're going to be a little bit fuzzy sometimes. And we can take this to the next level again. How many times have you driven down the road on a hot summer day and you've seen haze above the road? Oh, you mean where it looks like there's a puddle ahead of me and a There's really no water there, but it kind of looks like there might be. Yeah, that effect. Everyone's heard about it. The mirage effect. You've got the guys where they're going through the desert and they've seen the oasis in the distance and they've water, water, water. And they walk in that direction and only to discover there's no water. It was all the trick of the light. That's what the atmosphere is doing to our light. So if you can imagine what that's doing on the horizontal Imagine what it's doing to starlight. It's the same thing. It is exactly the same mechanism. Equations are different. And the equations for the horizontal issue are a lot more complicated. But it's the same issue. I've also noticed, Doc, that when you're further away, there's more of that mirage stuff and the water looks bigger. And it's all just kind of twisted. And you just kind of know that there's not really any water there. But... When you're driving on that road in that hot summer day, you always got to keep in the back of your mind, is there water? But when you've been in a drought for three months, you kind of know it's not there. Yeah, that's the mirage. It is the mirage effect. And the reason why that happens is because the further away you are, the more, the greater the effect is on the light. And that's the same with the stars. So you get these effects that have been introduced at a layer that's, say, 10 kilometers above the ground. So that's for those who are atmospheric people, this will be at about the same height where a plane flies. And it's where the tropopause, we're going from the troposphere to the stratosphere, it's in that region. What we're looking at, something's been introduced to the light at that point, but by the time it gets to the ground, those effects are actually quite exaggerated. And we see them quite heavily. Another example I can give you. Have you ever gone to a pool, an outdoor pool, and you've been a beautiful sunny day, and you look in the pool, and you see a ripple pattern at the bottom of the pool? Yeah, Doc. I've seen that. Okay. So, But if you look at it 
in, say, the deep section of the pool, the cells in between, the, the gaps between the dark and the light sections is quite big. But yet you look at it from this shallow end and it's a little bit smaller. Yeah? Yeah, it's kind of like it's a little ripple in the shallow end and a big ripple. Something that might be fun if it was moving in the deep end. Exactly. And that's the effect of distance. So the further you are away, the greater the influence is and the larger those cells become. And that's what we're seeing when we're looking in the long distance with the mirage and when we're looking at stellar light. It's all the same exact thing. Wow. But just different ways. I never knew that, Doc. I mean, it's really, I never, I guess I never thought about it. Now, other than looking at stars, which I'm going to grant you is a fun and I guess important thing. What other uses does removing the twinkle from the stars have? Okay. We now have within our communication systems, optical communications. A lot of our systems are now going through fiber optic cables. And if we have our communications network going through the atmosphere, it's going to be bent and it's going to have this ripple effect affecting it because it is light. It's optical communications now. So if we want to correct that, we need to know what effect the atmosphere has. There are other fields that are also benefiting from this. Okay, let's take it to the leap of surveillance technology. Not everybody's going to be interested in surveillance, but the military definitely is. Oh, yeah. The military wants to know where those bad guys are. And so does the CIA and the FBI. I could think of a dozen (laughs) people that like that stuff. Yeah. In 2002, researchers from ADFA, and that's the Australian Defense Force Academy, and that's in Canberra, Australia. In 2002... Researchers from ADFA presented images of a single-frame image that they took of a house that was at 10 kilometers away from their imaging system. That's over six miles. Most of the time, if you're trying to take an image that's over six miles in distance, you're going to get nothing but haze, especially if you're talking in a terrain like Australia, which is mainly desert. That's, That's a bit of a distance, but these images that they released... We're crystal clear. You could see the house incredibly clearly. All the windows, you could see the power lines that were leading to the house. You could even see a car that was next to the house as well. And these were these images that were released in 2002. The technology is now there. We do have it. And it is great. But these are all the sorts of things that we need to understand because it's the atmosphere that's playing on the light. Okay, I never thought about its uses when it comes to things like surveillance and watching the bad guys, which, you know, I'm a supporter of the military, so I want my soldiers to be safe, Doc. So if it helps them, especially I could imagine it would help them if we're discussing, say, the satellite in the sky, watching their back on the battlefield, I definitely mm-hmm. want, I definitely don't want the twinkle involved there. Now, no. I, I gotta say, I still like laying out my back out, outside at night, out in the middle of nowhere, looking at the twinkle in the stars. Yeah. Right. Should we talk about some other uses that everybody would totally get and be really into? You mean there's more? There is more. Cool beans. Let's go. Okay. Well, we've got civil aviation. So you're talking about planes. They need to know how is 
the ground turbulence affecting the tarmac. When a plane comes into land, they need to know exactly what's going to happen with the wind going over their wings. Well, that makes sense. The thing sense. Is, is they get the mirage effect as well. And can you imagine what it's like trying to come in for a landing and you're actually not even sure if the tarmac is where you think it is? Or again, you think there's water on the tarmac. That don't sound cool, Doc. I'm sorry, bringing that big 737 or 747 or whatever it is in for a landing and you think there's water somewhere and it's not there. Ooh, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Exactly. So this, again, understanding how the light is affected by the atmosphere is an important thing. But something that everybody I know would have lots of fun, Google Earth. How many of us have played with the Google Earth software? I'm going to put my hand right up because I know I have. I use it all the time. I've played with it once in a while, Doc. I mean, it's <laughs> neat to look at stuff. It is so much fun to look at now, Google Earth. I got to admit, what I did with it was I looked at images of areas where ISIS is and places that have been bombed like Aleppo and compared before and after shot. But it's still really cool. Exactly. And what you're doing there with those images, especially with the before and after shots, is you are looking at satellite imagery. Satellites taking images of the Earth's surface are going to be plagued yet again with atmospheric effects and the way the light is altered by the atmosphere. It's the same with meteorology. So you're talking about looking, monitoring weather. They're all being affected by how the atmosphere alters the light. There are so many different applications of this. And keeping all of these in mind, we need to understand the atmosphere and its effects of light. Okay, you got me at the weather dock. Because, you know, Hurricane Matthew did just run, run, run roughshod all over the east coast of the United States. Or at least the southeast coast. I mean, it was exactly. all the way from Florida to North Carolina. And, Doc, I don't know if you're up on your U.S. geography. That was four states. And North Carolina is still getting flooding. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a big, big thing. But understand, so with meteorology, they have some other aspects that they can look at. Because, yeah, when you're looking at something that's a hurricane size, I don't care how your atmosphere is going to affect your light. You're going to still see that. And you're going to see that massive, massive cloud structure. And it's going to be quite obvious that it's a hurricane. <laughs> Very obvious. But we're talking about more of the fine localized systems. The things that are more around a city. They're not necessarily statewide. Just the Like maybe structure. a tornado in Oklahoma City? They get them all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and you can use that to tr you can use that system to track how that tornado is moving and possibly predict it. But again, you need to understand and compensate for the light and the atmospheric effects. It's all part of the same problem. I never thought about that, Doc. I really didn't. I mean, and I used to live in Tornado Alley at one point. So that's basically what I was doing for my PhD. I spent 8 years of my life measuring how the light, the stellar light, was coming in and how the atmosphere was affecting it before it hit the one-meter telescope at Mount John University Observatory at Tekapo, New Zealand. And this was all in the attempts to figure out whether it was worth putting in an adaptive optics system at the Mount John site 
to improve the science coming from Mount John. In the end, the decision was that it wasn't cost-effective because the telescope was actually getting the same sort of resolutions that some of the top telescopes in the world were getting. So it's okay. We decided that was fine. And we were only working with a one-meter telescope anyway. But like I said, the cost of an adaptive optic system is incredibly huge. So you want to make sure it is worth doing in the first place. What tends to happen these days is the adaptive optic system is planned at the time of construction. So it's something that they install right away. And it tends to be only for those telescopes that are getting up to about the three meter and larger size. So you're talking about something that's larger than the Hubble. Okay, so we're talking really, really big telescopes get these things. Yeah, because at that point, that's when it becomes cost effective. Because you know that you're not going to be able to get the images and the information any other way. Okay, that's starting to make sense, Doc. Now, are you going to pull some other use of this out of your hat? No, not today. <laughs> I well, I can't. Well, I got to say something here because we still got a few minutes left. You know, I wish we had transporters and we could just beam those telescopes into space because then we could put as big a telescope as we want up there. Well, then there's another option that maybe that they can potentially look at. So is the Southern African Large Telescope. It's a 10-meter telescope, but it's actually made of 94 mirrors that are approximately one meter in diameter each. And what they are is each mirror is hexagonal in shape, so it's got six sides, and they have a special alignment system that they go through and align the edges of the mirrors so you get the nice parabolic shape, which is the nice curved shapes that you want for a telescope. But instead of using just one giant mirror that was at 10 meters in diameter, you've got the smaller mirrors as a consequence, and it makes it easier to maintain. It makes it easier to clean because you do have to occasionally clean the surface of the mirrors. And it makes it easier to assemble. So maybe that is the solution for putting a larger telescope in space. Maybe they use that construction instead. Well, maybe. Or they can just wait till we can go live on Mars. (laughs) Yeah, because the atmosphere on Mars is a lot thinner, so we might actually get better astronomy. (laughs) Or at least, how about putting a telescope on Mars, an unmanned remote telescope? That's a possibility, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you don't have to worry about humans anyway. I mean, <laughs> I think the Mars rover's still doing good, isn't it? It is. It is. Okay, then. Or at least so I think it is. <laughs> we've proven equipment can survive there. Exactly. All right, Doc. Now, I know we're going to let the cat out of the bag just a little early on this one. Oh, what are we going to let the cat out of the bag on? Well, first of all, I got some more news for you. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. What your show is What's now in the Google Play Store. <gasps> it's on Google Play. You mean I might actually be able to download it and listen to it myself? It's in the podcast section. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. And <laughs> I thought you were going to let the cat out of a ba- bag on a, about a special day in December that we're planning. 
Yeah, I think I will let the cat a bag on that one. In December of this year, Rogue One is coming out. The movie Rogue One, which is the next Star Wars film. It is not Star Wars Episode Eight. for those of who are wondering. It is actually its own story. And from what I understand, it's the story where the Bothans get the information on the Death Star. So it's the bits and pieces that are behind the scenes in Return of the Jedi, for those Star Wars fans out there. Well, in tribute to the Star Wars release, we are going to totally get our geek on, and we are going to talk about Star Wars versus Star Trek. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, cool. Are those Stargate fans allowed to join us, too? Oh, yeah. I'm a Stargate fan. I'm like a big Stargate fan. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, just checking. And I just pulled up the KLRN radio calendar. And for those of you wondering here in the U.S. anyway, it is scheduled to be 4 to 6 p.m. on Saturday, December 17th. And I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. We're going to have an open phone line. So if you're listening, you'll actually be able to call in. I know Doc will put together the timetable about where that is all around the globe for us. Now, I'm going to guarantee a U.S. number, and I'm going to try for an Australia or New Zealand number. Sorry, Australia, not you, but a New Zealand number. But I might even be able to have an open Skype in. Now, it's going to be audio only, because as we know from our recordings, too much video makes the connection drag, and it makes it hard to hear you. So we may even yeah. have an audio-only Skype in line, too, so everybody around the world can join us, Doc. That's going to be so much fun. I have to admit, I'm so looking forward to this. I know we have quite a few within the radio station itself wanting to join us, <laughs> including some of the guys in behind the scenes. It's just going to be so much fun. Oh, yeah. Dave Brewer Star already Wars. said sign Star him up. Trek. And I think Wentz from Wentz World is going to peek his nose in, too. Oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> you may have a whole host of characters coming out of the woodwork that, that night, Doc. It's going to be fun. It is. I'm Are you going to be able to wrangle the cats? <laughs> if I can wrangle the political debate roundtable, I can wrangle these cats. The political debate roundtable, some of those people often start with a drinking game. If I can wrangle them, I can wrangle these guys. Yeah. The only thing I will have to go through and stress now is that I have a couple of friends who are going to be listening who are littlies. So this particular one is going to be, let's keep the language clean, guys. But that's going to be pretty much my only criteria. Other than that, it's going to be so much fun. I'm going to do my best to keep your language clean, but we do not run on a delay, so I will do my best. Now, I can guarantee the download version late available the next day will be clean. So for any of the parents out there that are concerned, I will go through and bleep any accidental dental oopses (laughs) so that you'll have a clean version you can share with your kids. Now, I will do my best to keep their tongues in check. Yes. But I can't promise it, Doc. No, and I can't promise it either. But that's okay. I can promise them a clean download a couple hours later. (laughs) Right. So now do we understand why the atmosphere and its effects on light are so important for us to understand? I think I do, Doc, especially if it means keeping my soldiers safe. I have to, I have <laughs> to say good job on that one. Okay. 
So unless there are any other questions that you happen to have, we might bring this episode to a close. I don't have anything else today, Doc. Okay. Brilliant. So next time, hopefully, we'll go a little bit more onto the geeky side and we'll go into some of the things with Star Wars. Why not? Just because I can. Meanwhile, I look forward to hearing. I look forward to having you join us in December. Well, that brings us to an end of another Conversations in Science. If you have any questions about science and about some of the world around us, feel free to drop me a line. I'm on Twitter, and you can find me at Judy L. Moore. Or you can look me up on Facebook, Judy L. Moore. Or you can drop me a line on my personal website, JudyLmore.com. I think you're seeing the pattern here. Then, of course... If you are interested in some of the other projects I do, which is the writing and editing, feel free to check me out on blackwolfeditorial.com. But then, of course, don't forget, if you are wanting more information about the science, you can also contact us at the station with the email of science at klrnradio.com. Then, of course, there's my cohort that keeps going through and popping up. You mean me, Doc? Well, for anybody who wants to track me down, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse's POV. And you can also drop me a line at the station at Jesse's POV at KLRNRadio.com. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.